am I on am I on track? Is there something I'm not you know based on where we stand today after the last ten days, where the Cardinals are the most interesting team in Major League Baseball, as they always are for us. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Broadway and Clark. Uh, I'm Mark, joined by uh, my host, co-host Duncan, and we are talking all things Cardinals. The Hot Stove League um, is going full bore, especially for our beloved St. Louis team. Uh, uh no, there's no argument that they have been the talk of the early um, off season. The hot, uh, you know, we've been we've been the chefs in the kitchen, and when I say we, obviously, I have no official connection to the Cardinals other than my fandom. Uh, same thing is true for Duncan. But uh, for those of you who have who have been with us for a while, and we do appreciate everybody that listens. We have, uh, you know our stories, we've been Cardinal fans for a long time, and we started this pod um, as we were facing the reality of uh, the worst Cardinal season in 30 years, and uh, we've been trying to be relatively consistent with recording. As a matter of fact, uh, we had a, you know, one of our patented hour plus pods that we are uh, efforting to get from wherever the pod gods put it and we're trying to get a little help from our hosting platform and so on Uh, we're hopeful that that will be recovered soon at minimum we've got half the audio from one of us And so we'll see how it all plays out. It was, uh, I believe it was last, right around a week ago. I think it was last Tuesday night or Monday night. It was Black Friday. Uh, Oh, that's right. It was after the holiday, wasn't it, Duncan? Thank you. So, yeah, we we had in our pockets and uh, top of our minds the fact that the Cardinals, uh, you know, struck early and often with the signings of Kyle Gibson, uh, late of the Baltimore Orioles, and the reuniting of the Cardinals with Lance Lynn, uh, 2011 rookie, who, you know, obviously his first year in the bigs, the team he was on wins the World Series. And so we are, uh, and now, of course, he's a grizzled vet 12 years later ready to go into the 2024 season. We've got, I believe both pitchers are on a one-year plus team option, right, That's right, yep. One year, just a, I think it's 11 million total, uh, including like the buyout for Lynn and then 12 uh, for uh, Kyle Gibson. I hope I didn't get that flip-flopped. But yeah, one year, and then they both have a, I believe it's a club option um, for that second year. So gives the Cardinals some flexibility. Yeah, I, I, I think you're hundred percent right. I think in the case of Gibson, there may be some incentives that could get him as high as 13 
uh, to get potentially 30 plus starts from an established veteran uh, for 12 or 13 million dollars is is about the uh, the price these days that's what it costs and uh, for a couple of fans that spent especially the second half of 2023 after uh, shipping out, Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty at the trade deadline, uh, watching our favorite club just try to find some warm body to run out there on a nightly basis uh, was difficult and not something that we're used to. Uh, I was thinking about this. I don't know if we've talked about it, but you know, when was the who who has been our ace? Like is obviously uh, Adam Wainwright since probably 2015 or 16. Those were the years I was uh, thinking. Right. Since then, I mean, have we had anybody better than – I mean, Carlos Martinez had a minute. Uh, he had a minute, that. not consistently enough, I, I would say. But, yeah, he was no, slated to be that guy. Enough. The last time we were consistently, like, uh, I guess – 2013, we we got beat by the uh, Red Sox in the World Series. In 2019, we lost in the NLCS to the Nationals, who went on to win the whole thing. Uh, We had three or four years in there where we didn't make the playoffs at all, but never sank as low as uh, last season. And matter of fact, I don't even think we had any other seasons under 500. Uh, maybe we might have had like a 79 and 83 in there, something like that. But anyway, the point is, is that I was thinking about who our ace has been. And, you know, Wayno has been the de facto ace just because he was our leader. He's beloved Uncle Charlie, uh, you know, with the with, you know, his, his rookie season being uh, the 06 series that he got the last out and he struck out Beltran, the NLCS on that unbelievable curve. Uh, you know, the, the marriage of him and Yachty over 17, 18 years, whatever it was, uh, those, those facts made Wayno our ace over the last, say, five years. Uh, but we really didn't have a bona fide. We thought it was going to be Flaherty. There have been a number of guys along the way uh, that we thought, you know, I, I think at one point we thought Hicks might be a starter and so on and so forth. Uh, Alex Reyes was thought to be that guy until he just couldn't stop getting hurt. Reyes, exactly. That's another great. The, who was the veteran, uh, John? Uh, Lackey. Lackey uh, gave us two seasons of a lot more than we expected. Um, that was, and then Miles uh, Miklas, I guess, has given, I think he's going into season four as a Cardinal. And he has been solid, but, you know, no more than a, uh, than a you know, a, a three or, you know, on his best day, maybe a, a solid two. Uh, but not, you know, on a on a good staff, on a on a really good staff. Uh, Miles Miklas is not your number two starter. So, 
So now with the signings of Gibson and Lynn, we have a couple of guys who are, you know, their days of being a number one, if they, if they ever got to that point, I think Lynn might've had a you know couple seasons where he was maybe a top 10, top 12 starter in his league, uh, which would put him, you know, in the probably a high two category, something like that. Uh, and Gibson, I don't even know that he's had that many of those. He had a, a pretty darn good season with Baltimore last year, although some of his underlying numbers weren't that great. But he was certainly a regular contributor to a team that, you know, won more games than anybody else in baseball. So uh, that is maybe or maybe the Braves had a couple more extra wins anyway. Then we and we mentioned the pod gods and whatever happened to all the talk we had about those two signings on Good <laughs> Friday. And, you know, our, we, we talked about everything. But then we wake up yesterday morning and, you know, barely had time to get our coffee and, and bagel. And before you knew it, I guess it was, what, about 10 in the morning, something like that, I think, maybe a little bit earlier. Not even, yeah. They announce uh, who was it from the New York Post? Was it? Is it? Uh, was Heyman. It, was it was Heyman? Yeah. He, uh, I guess, he was the first one to to go, uh, you know, public with it or to you know to to make the declaration that the Cardinals had agreed to a deal with Sonny Gray, who was talked about at length the last pod. He has been talked about by the two of us over the last couple months. As a, as a matter of fact, uh, full credit to you, you you identified early on that he would be a great target. And you, I, th- I think you even made a statement, uh, you know, something to the effect of uh, he just looks like a Cardinal. Well, you couldn't have been more right. He is a Cardinal now. Three-year deal. Mo, call me up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Three-year Three-year deal, what was it, $75 million, so 25 a year? Yeah, bang on 25 mil. And, you know, sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? I guess he'll slot in as the third highest paid Cardinal, probably a little bit north, well, fairly significantly north, I think, of Wilson Contreras, uh, and just right behind, or maybe Goldie's just a little bit behind him. Uh, with Nato, with his more recent contract being the highest-paid Cardinal, um, what are your thoughts, Duncan? Love it, absolutely love it. Um, I think he is exactly who the Cardinals need. Uh, do I think that he is the only thing that we need? Still, no. Uh, but I think he is a perfect. Uh, pitcher for us to have on our staff you know there's been a a lot of negativity since the signing for god knows what reason uh, about his uh him signing with us and everything i think partly because of his age people don't think he's actually as good as this past year um i guess you can have those opinions if you want to i don't agree with them um i think it's it's a perfect fit uh, for us, both in his style of pitching, um, his bulldog mentality, um, 
his experience as well. Um, and then also just the fit in terms of the money side of things too, um, that Mo and, and Bill DeWitt are probably trying to all piece together. Um, you know, they, I think the three year deal fits really nicely as well and gives a lot of flexibility, um, versus being locked into a seven year, uh, contract or something like that. And the potential of a guy flaming out, um, at the end of that contract and, um, having a tough time. So I think that fits really nicely with what they want to do. I think a lot of people think, you know, now looking at the average age of our uh, rotation, I think it's what, 34, 35, something like that is the average age and people are all up in arms about that. I get it. There's, you know, some risk, inherent risk with having guys of those of those ages. But if you look at the track record of all of these guys, I mean, very consistently, um, I mean, every single one of those guys are starting upwards of 30 games are in that uh in that ballpark there you got four of those five guys doing that between Sonny gray um miles michaelis even miles started 35 games this year this past year um and then that was the exact reason that we signed lance lynn and kyle gibson in addition to their clubhouse um presence and everything as well to mentor some young guys but i think what that shows me a lot as well with the signings and them being shorter term um shows that the the cardinals and mo believe in these prospects that we've traded for as well with like Takoa roby or tink hence who we already had in our system gordon graceffo i think he's they've got a lot of uh hope for these younger guys and and developing these guys that you know, they can be ready in a, a year or two, you know, if, if Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson don't get picked up for that club option next year, there's going to be two spots right there. Steven Matz, I can't imagine, will be in the line, in the rotation then. Um, and Sonny Gray's only for three total years, and you hope that he pitches great at the top of the rotation for all three of those, and you just add guys to that with those younger uh, pitchers and everything. So I, I think that kind of reading the tea leaves – um, with that, uh, with those younger guys as well. But I think he's a perfect, a perfect person at the top of the lineup for us. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to the the press conference that he had uh, being introduced and everything too? I was reading some of the uh, transcript of it and couldn't be happier. Uh, I, I mean, in fairness, so a couple of things here. And like I said, we're hopeful that we will recover what we talked about last Friday. But one of the points that we, you and I were in complete agreement about was that it was not a, a bunch of meh. You know, that's a lot of Cardinal fans, you know, understandably, are, we're all smarting. I mean, we, this is not our world. We're not the Cincinnati Reds. We're not the Cleveland Guardians. We're not teams that win every couple of decades. And, you know, even though they've been around, you know, like us for 130 or 50 or whatever years it is, you know, in the case of the Reds since the 1870s, we expect to win. Really, every year. I mean, it's been now 
we're going into our 13th season since we last won the World Series, and that feels like a long drought, and it is for us. Now, there's, there's the winning it all, which is the goal of every team every year, but then there's also the fact that on the first, you know, on the first day of of on opening day every year, about twenty to twenty five teams, if they're realistic, know that they're probably not going to get to the World Series. You know, I, and and maybe that's closer to twenty because there's there's always ten or so. You know, maybe twelve teams that are like, well, if everything breaks right, you know, the Roy, uh, the Rangers were not. Uh, a top five team, a top, you know, well, maybe they were, but, you know, because of their signings of, uh, of Mr. Uh, DeGrom, I guess, you know, got wound up getting hurt, but, uh, you know, they were not going to be the guys that were going to win the whole thing. We didn't think in say April, even though they were, they came out of the gate just hotter than firecracker. But they had enough pieces where if everything was to break right, you know, they could compete. And that's all you can ask for as a fan base as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, Mo left it late and wound up, you know, just completely fumbling the 23 season, much to the chagrin of all of us, the first year without Yachty, uh, Albert officially being retired, and, you know, that little buzz we got to having him with us you know in the last year and you know getting the 700 home runs and all the fun that we had in 22 with him that was all over and uh and Wayno going for his 200th win which give him all the credit in the world he got there uh albeit you know uh on his last legs uh, you know, he just he he didn't provide much excitement in 2023 for us. So it was it was a an unprecedented, unusual season that we have now completely addressed. So last Friday, you and I were in agreement that this was wonderful. We're you know we're barely a couple of weeks into the off season, and the Cardinals have have just picked up you know, upwards of 300-plus innings from quality starters. Maybe not, you know, not aces, but really good starters. And we talked about it the other day, and, you know, uh, I don't think it it, it, was, it was not an unpopular opinion. We needed more. Uh, we talked yeah. about Sonny. We talked about Dylan Cease via trade. We talked about, of course, Yamamoto. Everybody's talking about Yamamoto. He might be a more exciting free agent than Shohei because we all know there's only a couple of teams that can afford to have a guy on the roster at $50 million a year, which is about what he's projected to get, probably from the Dodgers. We just don't have that kind of structure. We'll never have that kind of structure. And anybody who thinks that we could – just doesn't understand the finances of the game as far as I'm concerned. And with Yamamoto, I might be similar or the same thing, but none of that negates what we've done to this point. But before yesterday morning, we still didn't really have a guy that you could run out there against a quality 
top of the line starter on another team and feel like we had the advantage. I think with Sonny Gray, now we do. Yeah, sure. There's probably six to eight top of the line starters in the NL, like, you know, uh, Sonny versus uh, a Wheeler, for example. Do I, do I feel like we have the advantage um, on that night? No, not that necessarily. Was that. <laughs> Probably not. I think it's reasonable to say that. But who's the Atlanta starter that you wouldn't feel good about Sonny going up against? You know, who? I mean, like even if even if you had Sonny, I mean, because Wheeler was actually the example I had in my head, like a playoff game is Sonny Gray versus Zach Wheeler. It's like I'd feel okay going into that. I I think Wheeler's a better pitcher. But like even against the Braves, you talk about what if it was Spencer Strider versus Sonny Gray? I mean, Spencer Strider's a great pitcher, but I'd feel good about what Sonny Gray can put up in a playoff game. Let's do it. Let's take it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that absolutely. or Max Freed, 100%. Yeah, so now so now we got three guys, three absolute locked on, you know, uh, Sonny with his comments about how he wanted to be a Cardinal, how much he respects the tradition. You know, he's, he's a middle Dude, I was ready to run guy. through a wall. He's... he's what is he's an hour and a half plane flight from home. Uh, you know, he everything lined up. And the most important thing is Mo got it done. And the Cardinals, you know, the DeWitts opened up the checkbook and said, and, and what's so awesome about this, people are like, oh, yeah, we got this old starting staff now. That's fine. As long as they can, if, if, if they can do – you know, 85 to 90% of what they all did last year in terms of their number of starts. Now, in terms of performance, would I like to even see a little better from each of the three? Sure, I would. I'd like to see Miklas have as good or better a season as he had last year. Are all those things absolutely, you know, guaranteed to happen? Of course not. That's, that's not how the game works. The Mets signed Scherzer and Verlander, and look what happened, you know. And then both of those guys were in a deep playoff run. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's okay. I was going to say my thought, too, is, you know, the the criticisms of uh, an old rotation and everything, especially with Lance and uh, Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, those are signings that raise your floor, like you kind of mentioned, and give you certainty and everything. Um, And, you know, if you want to say, all right, let those just be young guys. And I've seen things where people say, well, just keep Dakota Hudson and he's going to be millions of dollars cheaper than Lance Lynn or Kyle Gibson. If you really play out that scenario and say, would you feel better running out Dakota Hudson versus a guy with a veteran ability in a clubhouse presence, a veteran like presence, uh, a veteran who has done it before knows how to manage a game and pitch in a game, or would you rather run Dakota Hudson out there just because he's eight and a half million dollars cheaper? Like, I think we're in a much better position where we are now and trying to piece that together. And guess Not what? To mention, the risk is only yeah. for one year. It can't get any That's, worse. Yes. It can't, yes. You know, it's, it's like the only two options are, you know, we sign Otani, Yamamoto, and, you know, Blake Snell, I don't know. And, or 
we go with Drew Rahm and Dakota Hudson. I mean, those aren't the two options. I mean, that's not how they, you know, sometimes I feel like saying, have you folks been paying attention to this team for the last however many years you're old enough to have been an intelligent fan? You know, for me, that's that's more than 40 years, approaching 50 years of solid Cardinal fandom. And I, I could name on, you know, I'd still have fingers left if I had to list all the aces, the real aces that we've had on the team. However, we've been consistently competitive because there is a way to do it in our, at our strata, at our level in terms of, you know, uh, market size and, you know, available money and so on. Are we always, you know, crying about, oh, they, they could spend more. Of course we are that we're fans. That's our job. But the fact is, is that three weeks ago, two weeks ago, even we did not know where 600 to 800 innings of starting pitching was coming from in 2024 And now we do, right? Now we know where, you know, upwards of 550 of those innings are coming from, and there are three guys that have been doing it each for a while. The the problem with Sonny Gray, I think, Duncan, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, is he was a a highly touted prospect. Uh, Didn't he pitch for the Yankees for a couple years, didn't he? Yep, came up with Oakland out of Vanderbilt, then got uh, traded over to the Yankees for two seasons or a season and a half. And he was supposed to be the savior there, you know, was supposed to be their young phenom. Uh, Then where'd he go? The Reds, maybe, and then Twins. Reds got traded there. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, and so he was a a once thought to be, you know, they thought he was going to be Zach Gallen or Aaron Nola or whatever. And he, he never quite got to that point. But what he did do was he consistently has gotten better throughout his career. Uh, last year, he was, in just case anybody forgot, number two in the American League Cy Young voting. Uh, obviously, Lopez is the young stud, the guy that gets everybody excited up in Minnesota. But Sonny Gray was their best pitcher throughout the whole year and was rewarded uh, and recognized for that by the Cy Young voters. So I don't have to, I don't have to sing his praises for him. The numbers speak for themselves. Now, was that his career year so far? Yeah. Okay. I agree. But guess what? This is what everybody thought he was going to be six, eight, ten years ago. Right. And so just because it took him this long to get there, what's to say he can't stay there for the next three years at twenty five million dollars to potentially get, a you know, a, a top five Cy Young uh, results pitcher to to be either your number one or your number two. Now, you and I both we, we mentioned this on Friday as well. We I, I, I mean, I want more. I'm greedy. I don't want to be done here. If we are done, I'll accept it, and I'll say, well, at least it makes sense 
what we've done. Is it enough? And it's a stepping stone. Yeah. Is it enough? Probably not. Probably not. And we don't have the, you know, I don't know if it's Tink Hence. I don't know if it's Graceffo. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Rom. We don't have a guy that is the next Carlos Martinez, the next Reyes, you know, that we think is going to be the stud. I guarantee you who we know is not going to be a stud, and that's Dakota Hudson, period. End of the, I mean, God bless him. Uh, injury, just not really getting it done. He's a, he, I mean, he would, if you, if Dakota Hudson could sign up for Kyle Gibson's career right now, I guarantee you he would do it. And hundred percent. And, and guess what? We have Kyle Gibson. Yeah. Does he cost six or $8 million a year more than Hudson does? Absolutely. That's what happened. Guess what? It's not my money. And the Cardinals had to spend money somewhere. They got Wayno off the books, who was, I think, at 18 last year-ish, whatever he was making. Uh, they've got Goldie coming off the books at the end of this year, which I will be, you know, I'm sure I'll be leading the charge to re-sign him for probably two more if that's what he wants to do. You know, he's kind of getting to that point in his career where, you know, he's got to decide every year, does he want to keep doing it? It's, it's a grind. Uh but I think he'll still be an effective hitter, maybe not quite, you know, at his MVP level, but he'll still be an effective hitter um, after next season. The question is, you know, can the money work out and all the other things that have to happen? Uh, but and 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 who do we have to challenge him? You know, is Luke and Baker going to be a guy that we think is is the future at first base? I don't know. Um but I love what we've done so far. Absolutely love it. Love Sonny Gray. Uh, tell me some more about, you know, how did you land on this idea of getting him? What is it about? Uh, I heard somebody call him a short king yesterday, one of the pods <laughs> you and I like to listen to. Uh, I think the particular host is also um, a bit diminutive when it comes to height. And so uh, vertically challenged, you know, yeah. So they're, uh, you know, that's what we like to call ourselves. They're buds. They're, they're, uh, they're, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, uh, uh, soulmates in that respect. What is it about, what is it about Sonny Gray that really has, has caught your eye over the last number of years? I think the thing I first really, well, I, I was going to say I first really like started paying a lot more attention to him when he was in Cincinnati, but truly, I mean, I think all the way it's back when he was in Oakland, you know, first coming up and everything really through fantasy baseball um, that I, I started to like him. Of course, just his name makes him stand out. And so it just makes you pay attention a little bit. But as far as like baseball stats and things go, um, what he did in Cincinnati bouncing back after being traded over from the Yankees in between the 2018 and 2019 year. I mean, he had a 4.90 ERA in New York his last season there, his second season, gets traded over to Cincinnati and pitches 31 starts at a 2.87 ERA. Um, was an all-star seventh in the Cy Young that year and just turned it around so much. And I remember watching some of... Um, his starts and things uh, that season. And I just really enjoy watching him pitch. 
Um, he just kind of seems like that lunch pail, no nonsense kind of guy um, that just is a, a baseball rat. And one of the notes I had actually written down about him too that just kind of popped in my head, and I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta write that down. Um, I, I get this like vision of him that he's kind of like the pitching, pitching version of Nolan Arenado, uh, or Arenado. Um, in that he's kind of he's just a baseball rat and loves to pitch. I mean, at his press conference, you know, at, at one of the questions that he was asked was just about some of his stuff and what pitches he was throwing and everything. He pulls out a baseball and was kind of uh, showing his grips and kind of how he was throwing things and stuff like that and just kind of walking through it. And somebody asked about it and he's like, yeah, I just walk around with a baseball all the time. And so he's just like one of those stereotypes of like, a guy, a running back who always walk, walks around with a football or something like that. Um, he's that kind of guy. He just loves baseball so much. And hearing him talk at the press conference, it, it made me want to run through a wall and get, got me so fired up. And I thought also, and wrote this down as a note, he talks like a pitching coach, uh, the way that he talks about things. And so it makes me think maybe in the future he would be a coach as well. Uh, his ERA has fluctuated a touch throughout his career. Uh, but the biggest thing was really just his bounce back after being in New York, and everyone thought it was a big market versus small market thing, which I've, I've mentioned before on a previous episode, actually. But I did hear an interview that talked about his time in New York. Um, and, oh, gosh, what, what was the pitching coach? Yeah, Rothschild, yeah, I believe. Rothschild, yep. I, heard this, I, think, I think we listened to the same thing, and I thought that was really yeah. strong the points that were being made about that. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, as a casual fan, which, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm all in on the cards, but I don't always know all this stuff. I'm actually, uh, you know, through this effort with you and, and, you know, kind of committing to, to, you know, trying to bring our listeners, uh, you know, a little bit of fact along with our enthusiasm I thought it was outstanding, the points that were being made. Uh, I think one of the things that led to a lot of his success last year was his embrace along with everybody else. You know, all the other, a lot of pitchers are really working with the sweeper. And uh, the sweeper is, what is that? That's a horizontal break versus a vertical break, right? Isn't that kind of how it's denoted? Yeah, slider would typically have some vertical break to it at least, um, and you wouldn't want a flat slider that just goes strictly uh, horizontal. Um, usually those are the ones that kind of spin up there like a frisbee, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So yeah, the a slider would have some vertical to it. Drop down in a sweeper is much more just flat horizontal, but goes very horizontal well yeah it's from um, it's from the the hands to the outside edge and yeah. the the hitter's given up you know he's either he's either swinging early trying to catch it in the zone and not or waiting too long and he can't get to it anymore right yep yeah and it's i mean very effective i think he evolved you know a number of the guys that had success this year we're kind of embracing it, and 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 that's to your point of Sonny being, you know, a student of the game, very knowledgeable player. Uh, I was thinking when you were describing it, I was thinking Marp like, 
you know, kind of that, you know, brings that lunch pail grittiness, but also with a lot of talent that you, you know, you, you maybe forget about. Uh, and, and yeah. when you think of the arc of his career, you know, being the phenom early on, pitching in the small market, going to the bright lights in New York, where everybody thinks, oh, he couldn't cut it because it was New York. Come to find out, it may be a lot more about how the Yankees were handling their pitchers, and because um, I think it's even he's even said it in the past since he left there that you know they were trying to get him to to make pitches that you know he 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 felt so confident in his ability to pitch. I think he felt like a lot of his you know a lot of the tout that he was getting um, was due to the fact that he was an intelligent pitcher, knew his stuff and had a plan to get major league hitters out. Cause at the end of the day, that's all they're all trying to do. Uh, it's one of the things we love about this game is that it's a, there, it's a series of, of one-on-one battles, right? You got, you got, uh, you know, you got eight guys facing the batter, one guy with the ball in his hand, trying to say to the batter, you can't hit it where these other seven guys aren't. And you got one guy behind the plate, which I think is important for us to talk about. You know, we gave Wilson, Wilson had an up and down season, uh, both in the media, in terms of the fans embracing the former hated Cub. And, you know, just being asked to come in and replace literally a franchise legend. Uh, I was I was listening to a couple of guys. I think it was uh, AJ Perzinski, uh, who I always hated when he was a player. When he, you know, I kind of I kind of held my nose a little bit when, as a late career veteran, he came over to us. I think at a at an all star at a, a trade deadline one year and played out the string with us for a couple of months at the end of a season. Uh, you know, hated him because the guy was a problem, right? And and he played like a bulldog, and he wasn't on my team. So all those things conspired for me to not be a big fan of his. And I haven't spent much time listening to him, but I think it was you had sent a link out, and I took the time to listen to the show, and the show's fine. It's a, it's called uh, Foul Territory. Give it its proper uh, due. And uh, a couple of, you know, another guy, um, you know, a couple guys that are that are former pros, and then a, you know, just a a pod, a young potter who, uh, you know, is big in the game, loves the game, and used to work for MLB Network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I thought they they're on YouTube. I think they're on some other platforms. Uh, so that's all the free plugs I'm going to give them. But they, uh, <laughs> I thought they did a good job, and it was very cardinal heavy talk, as really all the baseball talk um, has been, all the national talk, because we've come out of the gate. We made this. I mean, one thing I will say, and you know, our pod is not all about the business of the game. But I think both of us respect the fact that uh, the Cardinals have always been really savvy and really good about maximizing what they can. Uh, we have a dedicated, rabid fan base that's existed for 
you know, probably since Stan the Man came up, actually back to the Gas House Gang, back to the 20s where we, you know, stuck our nose out and our chests out and told the, you know, the, 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 the Yankees, the great big bad Yankees that we could hang with them and we actually did, beat them a couple times in the World Series and so on. That, uh, you know, we have dominated the conversation for the last 10 days. And why is because we identified our need. I mean, it didn't take much to identify the need, but we went out and did what we had to do. But back to Wilson Contreras, he's not Yachty. Everybody knew that. We knew that when we signed him. But what we also knew was that he was one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, that he... You know, wanted to, much like Sonny Gray, imagine those two talking. Sonny will be like, Wilson, dude, you and I, I might throw a no-hitter to you this year. And Wilson's probably giddy thinking, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know how many times I ever get an opportunity to catch a no-hitter. Wilson is not a, he's, he's not a top 10, 15, 20 defensive catcher in the league, but he's a top probably three hitter in the National League, maybe four or five, whatever the numbers are. Is his brother better? I don't know. But the point is, is that this is a new time. And there's some speculation that part of the strategy here is to bring in a Lance Lynn, who doesn't need Yadi Molina to, to nurse him through a game. Kyle Gibson. I don't think Kyle Gibson is overthinking his stuff. He knows, you know, these guys have been doing this a long time. And he's been on so many teams. Doesn't matter who his catcher is. He's going to throw out the same stats every single he's year. He's probably thrown to 40 guys in the, in the, in the majors. And so yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it was, somebody made the comment that if the Cardinals were really concerned about trying to get their, uh, in terms of having the catcher really lead the team the way Yachty has, which, which, frankly, there's no, I don't know that there's a catcher in the game. I remember getting all excited about um, about our boy down in uh, in Arizona during the playoff run they had, and the fact of the matter was, he didn't have that great of a World Series. It wasn't bad. I mean, the kid's a stud, and he's gonna, you know, he's probably gonna be a great major league catcher for the next decade or so, but he's not Yachty. And, and, you know, Yachty, much like Ozzie Smith, I watched, you know, Ozzie Smith's whole career in St. Louis. And when we first made that trade, you know, Templeton was a problem and we had to get rid of him. And we got this kid, yeah, uh, Ozzie Smith that, you know, was known as a flashy glove, you know, had the big fro, the whole thing it was the early eighties. And, you know, he became the cornerstone of the franchise. Everybody loved him. He was the wizard. He used to do the, you know, he'd do the, uh, the flip. You know, he'd run out and flip into position on opening day. Everybody, they'd write articles about it. Oh, is he taking too much risk and blah, blah, blah. But Ozzy made himself into a professional hitter, and so did Yachty. And both of them, you know, had a modicum of success in the, at the plate. Wilson 
is a professional hitter and he's a stud and he's got some pop and he fits in nicely with Goldie and Nato as the leaders of our offense. And then when you, when you slot in Newt and you slot in the rest of them, you know, and you're like, okay, where, you know, how far can this team go? What can Mason Wynn bring at the dish? You know, in addition to his plus defense, what can, uh, you know, Jordan Walker, is he going to be the, you know, the potential MVP candidate uh, as an offensive player? You know, he's, he's probably not Ronald Acuna. That's, that's probably a little wishful. But, you know, he's, a, he's, he's our best prospect since Oscar Tavares, no? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. So I love everything that's happening. I love that we did this. I want a little bit more. Uh, we talked to, at some length about Dylan Cease the other day. Uh, this was before, you know, I think Sonny, I think we came away from Friday with Sonny is probably from both a realism standpoint and just kind of a, you know, uh, bolted on, plug and play, whatever, you know, whatever little cliche you want to use there. I think we kind of believe that he was the most reasonable, likely, whatever candidate to, to go get left in free agency. I mean, everybody wants Yamamoto. I would, I would freaking lose my stuff if we got him. It's probably not going to happen. Somebody's going to pay that guy upwards of 30, 32, whatever, or he's going to get 28 for 10 years or something crazy. He's 25 years old, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, what what am I missing? What am I missing? I mean, we, we, we'll talk about this in a future pod. We got to get bullpen help. We need more help. A lot of people believe in Helsley. I'm, I, I I struggle with closers. I'm old school. I remember Lee Arthur. I remember Izzy. Although Izzy used to drive me to distraction. Uh, I even remember. You know, I remember a Todd Worley. People like that. We need help in the bullpen, but bullpen arms. I'm not saying it's easy to get the right ones, but there are definitely plenty of them available. There always are. And I feel like sometimes you can discover a bullpen arm. Uh, you can find them in AAA. You can find them, you know, buried on somebody else's roster. We need to address that. We probably need three to four solid arms in the bullpen. Uh and I'd love to get another starter. I'd love to get a top of the rotation. You know, I'd love somebody. I'd love us to sign somebody, and 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 we make the comment, boy, with Sonny at number two and this guy at number one, we're going to be something. What am I? Yeah, I say. Am I on? Am I on track? Is there something I'm not? You know, based on where we stand today, after the last ten days, where the Cardinals are the most interesting team in Major League Baseball, as they always are for us. I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's an obvious that they're always uh, or that they're the most interesting to us. But I truly think they've been the most interesting of this off season, and I think very interesting for a lot of neutral fans as well. Um, one of the things that was really interesting to me during the press conference for with Sonny Gray, and one of the things that Mo was saying is um, he thanked Sonny Gray's agent for being so patient with this process and Sonny Gray had mentioned that uh, 
he always had envisioned himself or had wanted to be a cardinal and had us high on his priority list and um mo basically went and said all right we're gonna go and we're gonna try to sign these you know couple other guys shore up some innings and then we'll come back and see if we can do something bigger after that um and basically kind of laid out that outline of all right they went to go get lance lynn and kyle gibson and then came back to Sonny and his agent and said, all right, now we're going to go. We're going to come back to you and we're going to sign you now if you want to be here. And it all kind of fell together and everything. So for all the stick that Mo had gotten about uh, or that the Cardinals have gotten about, what are they doing so early signing Lance and Gibson? We could have gotten them so much later, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. This is exactly how they drew it up and wanted to do it. And I kudos to them. Uh, but it makes me wonder what else they have that are maybe is a bigger move now after you have Sonny Gray. Like each of these things are puzzle pieces and a stepping stone enabling them to do something bigger because the bigger pieces, the Yamamoto, Blake Snell, even Jordan Montgomery, uh, since he's also a Boris client, um, I would have expected Aaron Nola to be this if he did not sign back with Philly. Uh, all of these, all of those deals are going to take time. They're not going to happen quickly. Um, I mean, there's been reports out that Yamamoto is going to take his time specifically with his because of the number of teams that are interested, and he wants to make sure he does his due diligence, essentially. So uh, kudos to Mo and the front office generally for identifying their guys and pouncing on it and getting their guys. And now we have the flexibility to get out and, and find additional pieces because that, that is exactly what we need. And we need more pieces both for, I would say both for the rotation and in the bullpen as well. It sounds somewhat like they're going to be exploring the trade routes a little bit more and maybe focusing more on bullpen. I definitely wouldn't rule out, uh, something else in the rotation. I'd seen something about uh, Stephen Matz potentially being available, maybe in a deal or something like that. I could see that kind of happening. But we definitely need something in the some more in the pen as well. Um, I, I'd seen some stats um, as far as the bullpen goes um, about our record in certain games, and I want to say it was. Uh, and I don't remember the exact numbers now. I should have had them in front of me, uh, written them down when I heard them. But basically, games that we got six innings pitched and four earned runs or less, we won basically essentially the majority of those games. And then any of the games that we didn't get that, it was such such a, uh, an increased taxing of our bullpen on those games, especially with like games where you'd have Wayno going two and a third, um, or any of the young guys um, go in those shorter amount, amounts and, you know, us giving up four runs in the first inning of a game or something like that, and we're playing catch-up the whole time, and now you have your bullpen having to cover six-plus innings in a game on multiple nights during a week. Um, so those signings of Gen- Lynn Gibson and, and uh, now Sonny Gray going to be covering a lot of innings as well and being a lot more sure-handed is going to relieve... Uh, the bullpen of having to have such a large role on those games and be able to influence the games where they're supposed to, which is towards the end of the game. Uh, and so I think we're already in a 
decent spot, especially if we get some of the young guys showing up in spring trading that were maybe in AAA or AA last year um, and being able to be a bullpen piece. But I still think we probably should add some guys kind of when we were talking about building a roster for the postseason. I would love to go out there and look at a Yuki Matsui coming over. He's projected for two years, $16 million. I would totally sign that for him to either be a um, I would just put him in there and be like all right you're either going to be the setup guy or you're going to close out games and you and Helsley can battle it out go get him perfect something like that and I would even add maybe another piece through a trade or like you said you know finding other guys buried on um, depth charts on other uh, on other teams and everything too but we definitely need to do that Um, one of the things that I was just thinking um you were kind of mentioning, or I mentioned um, Stephen Matz potentially being available and looking at maybe deals, something like that. Something that I thought of was, uh, immediately came to mind was if we had a deal in place with the White Sox, I could see the, the Rays too potentially with Stephen Matz, but particularly the White Sox, since they're essentially tearing everything down, you know, one of the strategies you can use when you're tearing everything down is signing older veteran guys looking for them to have a good first half of the season and then trade them off for other prospects uh, to continue your rebuild. He could potentially be a perfect candidate for that if they're looking to uh, get rid of Dylan Cease. Now we'd have to put together a good package, which it would include a lot of prospects and things like that. I'm not sure exactly what that looked like if you would include Steven Matz, but it would be hefty, but could be worthwhile in that Cease would essentially replace Matz in the rotation, and that would be a very nice rotation. I would love to see Sonny Gray Cease right at the top one, one, one A, uh, and then Michaelis, and then Lynn and Gibson at the bottom. I would love that. Um, so yeah, a couple thoughts I had there. What what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's that would be Nirvana for a Cardinal fan if. If we had a Dylan Cease or anybody else of that caliber, Tyler Glass, no, if you believe in him still, which I do. Uh, Seattle's got a couple of arms that, again, like you said, you know they they have a pretty they have some good young players, but they also uh, we should mention dealt uh Eugenio uh Suarez to the Diamondbacks which was a little bit curious um which you know I'm not looking forward to seeing that guy back in the NL uh he's he's a professional hitter and he plays solid third base uh although 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 he does he does like to swing and miss occasionally so we got that going for (laughs) us do you know how many K's he had this past year out of 180, something like that. Oh, oh, keep it going. He's led the league the past two years. Last or two years ago, 2022, he had 196. Okay. This past year, 214. Wow. Yeah, yeah when, when you when you rack up 400 <laughs> strikeouts in two years, that's you almost have to try to do. That's Dave. Those are Dave Kingman numbers right there. That's crazy. Yeah, and you have Javier Baez in your in your league as well that you got to beat out for the strikeout. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, I just and I just want to mention this. 
this uh, uh, this idea that the Tigers uh, signing Kenta Maeda, which you know I've I'm kind of sweet on a little bit, uh, you know the promise of what might be or what you know getting back to whatever was. The idea that that was a better deal than what the Cardinals did with Gibson and Lynn, that's crazy talk to me. I mean, we don't know what we're getting. This is this is what Mo tried to sell us before last year. Oh, Adam was going to win 20 games in his swan song season. And, you know, Hudson was going to win 15. And Flaherty was going to finally be the ace we always thought he was – you know, this is craziness. You cannot go into a season betting on the come. It's just not realistic. And so here's what I think, and I think this is something, and I don't know if it will ever come out or ever be confirmed, but I guarantee you the Cardinals talked to NOLA's people and said, what's it going to take? And they were either told early on, don't worry about it. You're going to be hearing something soon enough. And, you know, Mo's been doing this long enough. He could read the tea leaves there. Or they threw some numbers at him and the Cardinals were like, we, we can't, you know, it's that's we can't go that long. We can't go that high, whatever the issue was. Philly was always in the driver's seat there. And that's why it got done so quick. Good point by you. Waiting on uh, waiting on Gibson, waiting on Lynn, waiting on guys of their caliber. You know what happens to guys like that when you wait on them? They sign with somebody else. Because what does every baseball player want to know in November? What do they definitely want to know when they're sitting around with the family at Christmas? Where they're going to be playing the next year. You know, uh, Lance yep. Lynn wasn't saying to himself, how can I get 15, 18, 20 million dollars a year? He said, who wants to pay me 10 or more? What's the situation? How do I feel about it? When the Cardinals called, he was probably giddy. He probably said to his wife, hey, babe, we're going back to the loo. And she was like, let's go. I love St. Louis. Who doesn't? It's a great place to live, as we well know. So I think everything's been breaking right. I, you know, let's talk about a guy like Josh Hader. Would I love to have him? Hell yeah. I'd take him yesterday. Is it realistic to think we can get him? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, our money spends like everybody else's, but I just have a feeling that one of the big market teams that's, you know, disappointed in what they've been through, the Sox or the Yanks or whoever, are going to pay them more than the Cardinals would ever be willing to pay. And that's okay. We can't have all the players. If we could, we'd win every year. We'd have a darn good shot. I also listened to a, a very interesting interview with, uh, with Danny D, Daniel Descalso. Uh, uh, yes. Very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, just got his economics degree from UC Davis. He was shouting out the the uh, Aggies, I think they are. Um, I didn't realize that was their ag school in California. And um, But he's ready. He's ready to go. He understands what it takes. Uh, one of his responsibilities as bench coach is spring training, which apparently is a real slog. I guess Mendoza, who's the new Mets manager, right? 
he said uh, he said that the one thing he was not going to miss about being a coach or being the bench coach was spring training because apparently it's a lot of work for those guys. And of course, you know, Crimea River, tough life, you know, to be a, a major league coach where you sit on the bench and watch guys, the best players in the world, do what they do for three hours a night. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, uh, Danny D was was outstanding. They were asking him like, you know, what's it going to be like to to coach guys that you played with? He played with Goldie in Arizona. Uh, he's played with a couple of our other veterans in the past. And um, I thought that was interesting just hearing him talk about that. Lan- I guess Lance Lynn had, you know, told him that you know, <laughs> he, yeah. you know, the only reason he signed with the Cardinals so he could F with with Daniel. And so uh, that's going to be fun. I, I just love the vibe. What a, I love the vibe. Apparently, what did Descalzo say back to him? <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah. He said he, he said he was going to make him run sprints or something like that. What he said? Yeah, he's like, you're going to be on field 19 with the rookies doing PFP that's if you do right, that. That's right. That's right. Field 19, I love it. Um, you know, and and apparently he's he and Ali have known each other for a long time. So, you know, I believe in redemption. I believe any guy. I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm the first guy to admit that if they fired Ali tomorrow, it would not break my heart. I just watched a couple of old men compete for the AL, you know, championship for the right to go to the World Series, and one of them beat out the other one and won the whole thing for the fourth time. So, you know that that is that's a conversation for another time, but. It is encouraging to know that the Cardinals are bringing in, you know, a, a relatively recent former player who, uh, you know, is very enthusiastic about the opportunity to be here. You know, a former, uh, you know, relatively long-term Cardinal uh, utility guy, you know, glue guy, and Skip Schumacher just won the Manager of the Year award, so. Uh, and we don't know how much Ollie was hamstrung by the front office and by, you know, Mo trying to get through last season on a on a shoestring or whatever, whatever was going on there with that. I mean, you know, there's plenty of criticism and we'll have plenty of it. We'll be I mean, we're probably not going to go 162 and 0. So there's going to be something to complain about, I'm sure, in the first couple games of the season. Right. But at least now we could we could reason. I mean, if the season started tomorrow, we could feel the team that the fans could say is competitive, and that's really all you can ask for. You just want to have a chance at the beginning of the year, especially after this last year. Say that again. I said especially after last oh, year. Oh, absolutely! You just want to be competitive after do that. You know, do you know what happens to teams that lose ninety games? They tend to keep losing for a while. I mean, yeah, they they sell off pieces. <laughs> the Cubs and the Astros both lost, you know, a hundred games or upwards of a hundred games for multiple years, so that they could, you know, so the Cubs could get a Chris Bryant and the Astros could get a Jose Altuve and guys like that. 
so that they could build up their teams so they could compete. The Astros have found a way to do it consistently and, and be more like a Cardinals franchise or a Dodgers or some of the, you know, some of the great franchises. We tend to forget, though, that Houston is now one of the major cities in America. I think they're number four, maybe, in population. And so that's a big market team now, right? We, it's, this is not your Astros of the 70s. This is not the Colt 45s of the 60s, right? This is a big market team that has established a winning tradition over the last, you know, almost, you know, approaching a decade now. And, and good for them. You know, that's a, that's a standard we want to meet or, or exceed, which I think we do regularly. So, yeah, we got down. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And, we lost 90 games. Poor us. It was horrible. But guess what? That's not going to happen next year. I, I mean, if the season started tomorrow, it's probably still the Brewers as long as Corbin Burns is on the team, which we know is probably not going to be true for that much longer. But we are, we're, we're, we're going to be either slotted right in at number two or it's not going to surprise me at all if we're the favorites for the NL Central next year, which, again, you get back in the playoffs, you have a run like the Rangers did, and we're having a parade down Marcus Street again. What do you think? Well, that sounds very nice to me. Very, yeah. very nice. Um, yeah. Hey, I have some uh, some breaking news, which will not be don't, breaking whenever we actually post this. But, <laughs> but don't here, even you tell what happened. Oh, it's, a, it's not a new player. It's further information about Sonny Gray's contract. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so we know we know it's three years, seventy five, seventy five million. Yes, sir. yes sir. the breakdown for this. Uh, this year, this coming year, is only going to be ten million dollars for him, then twenty five, and then thirty five. So they have severely backloaded the deal. Only ten million of that's going on this upcoming year, instead of a full twenty five if you just divide it by three. Essentially, right. then right. he also has a club option for a fourth year at thirty million dollars. Oh, I love that! Yes, absolutely love that. So, I mean, if he maxes out everything, gets the club option, and everything, it'll be a hundred million dollars total. But I mean, if you pay him that extra twenty or thirty million at that point, um, it's going to be well worth it because you're going to want him that last year anyway. So, uh, but. What is there? Is there a five million dollar buyout or something? Is that what yeah. the deal is? That, um, five yeah, million dollar buyout. Sense. Yep. If that the options declined. Sense. At that point, five, I mean, you know, again, five million dollars. You or I would take it if if the Cardinals want to send us a check for that. It'd be great. Yeah. But yep. it's in in you know in what is that? That'll be the 24, 25, 20, the twenty seven season. Five million dollars. I'm not saying it's nothing because it is something, but it's not going to kill the Cardinals to spend $5 million in 2027 if they make the determination that, you know, Sonny doesn't have the value that he once had. Or he says, you're right, I'm not worth 30 anymore. I'd be happy to sign for 20. Give me the five, I get 25. Or I'll be happy to sign for 15. Give me the five, I get 20. Whatever. Uh I love it. It's just good business. We've always been good at the business side of the game. That's never been a problem. There's, you know, there's, I mean, you know, we, we like to 
be proud of our city and this is a great place to live. I'm proud of the fact that um, all of our children were raised here and they've all chosen to continue to live here as adults. Uh, our grandchildren are now being raised in the area and I'm proud of all that. Uh, but, you know, it's to be able to draw 3 million people a year to the ballpark to often be second only to the Dodgers that are in a market that's what, 10 times the size of ours, eight, nine times the size. It's, it's truly remarkable. And we're, I mean, we know this, I'm not saying anything, you know, people make fun of us, best fans in baseball, the Cardinal way and all those things. But usually criticism comes with, you know, after some truth. And the reason people do make fun of us is because we have been so successful. And I think this is just a continuation. I mean, could it all go wrong? Could all three of these new starters we signed have down years and we struggle? And yes, all that's possible. But everything's possible. Ask the Mets. Ask the Padres. I mean, you... you I tell you who we're not and who we're never going to be. We're never going to be the Pirates. You know, we're never going to be even the Marlins. God bless them. Actually, I give the Marlins credit. They're trying. But you know what? I don't want to hear about it because Miami, Florida is no slouch. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's 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 argu- arguably the 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 seat of the game, the future of the game is is all latin for the most part it's coming out of latin america i mean it's becoming a worldwide sport obviously the asian players continue to have a bigger and bigger role but for the last 30 years i mean really the latin influences has made the sport what it is um the best players you know from miggy to acuna and the rest of them latins and you know miami's right there and so, granted, they haven't had the kind of ownership that should allow them to, you know, really take their rightful place. But we're not any of those other, you know, even the Tigers who, you know, I mean, I know Detroit's not the city it once was, but it should be, you know, they should be able to put out a team that's every bit, you know, our equal or better on a regular basis. And they just don't. You know, even the Giants, who are in a big market, you know, they, they're, not, they're not us. I mean, you know, the Dodgers, I give the Dodgers their due. But they're L.A. You know, I give the Yankees their due. They're the, you know, they're the, they're the big bad Yankees always have been, the Bronx Bombers. I mean, you know, they're, they're unbelievable. Uh, but I put us up against anybody, and last year was an aberration. And, and what I love about what's going on over the last two weeks is we didn't wait. We did not wait around just in, you know, so that the fans could spend the whole time, you know, reliving. I don't have to relive July, August, and September anymore. I don't have to go back to the times when you and I were talking about, are they going to set are they going to lose more games than they've lost in 50 years, you know, going back to the 60s? Yeah. When you look at how different last offseason was to this one uh, with how Mo handled it, like you said, how long he took and waited until the ninth or 11th hour uh, last offseason and then got left at the altar with things uh, and didn't 
took the exact opposite approach this offseason, and it's it's serving us well. Oh, yeah, because now, now he knows what he has. He's got three guys locked up. Like you said, if he wants to put Max in a package for a team like the Sox so that they can at least go to their fan base and say, yeah, we know we got rid of Dylan Cease, but, you know, we look at what we got back. Steven Matz isn't Dylan Cease, but he's going to take the ball every fifth day. You know, we feel like, uh, you know, he had some injuries. Uh, he was, you know, when the Cardinals signed him from the Mets, we thought that was a smart signing. And, you know, now he's part of our team. And, oh, look at these young prospects or look at this corner outfielder we have that we can plug right into our starting lineup, so on and so forth. Now we know we can do that because we've got these uh, – it's not going to be our only shot, right? We don't have to go to Blake Snell and overpay him by 5 to $10 million a year because he's the reigning Cy Young, two-time Cy Young winner now. Um, and, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with talking to him and his representation saying, what do you want to do? But if he comes back, you know, wanting, you know, $30 million a year for seven years or something crazy like that, you know, we can politely dec- decline and say, you know, thanks a lot. Uh, but, you know, we're just going to pass on that. And and we can do that without being the – and then trying to get on – you know, uh, talk to Martin Kilcoyne or Derek Gould or somebody and try to sell to the St. Louis fandom that, you know, that, oh, we're going to be fine with Dakota Hudson or whoever, you know. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe Gordon Graceffo is, you know, being talked about as does, does he need to be getting a look for uh, Rookie of the Year or you know, whatever. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I love where we sit right now, and I just want to encourage Mo to keep it up. Get you know, start. Give, give me another arm between now and Christmas. Whether in the bullpen, if it's a bullpen, maybe two. Mo, give me two more arms for the bullpen or another starter between now and Christmas. And I'll be a, a very contented, and I'll you know I'll be happy yeah. to get on with you on a regular basis, and continue to be very positive. We want it. We want to back our winning side, right? Hundred percent, absolutely. Well, in this, uh, the way that the salary is laid out for Sonny now too makes leads me to believe you know there's now a quote-unquote extra $15 million of budget that we thought we didn't have once we signed him um, that can be used for other acquisitions, whether that be another free agent, whether they want to look at the potential of Yamamoto or Blake Snell, um, if they want to look at some uh, higher dollar additions in the bullpen, or if they want to look at like... um, you know, making some room for Tyler Glass now in a trade because he's owed you know about twenty five million in his arbitration this upcoming season. So, making some room for that. So, um, gets me a little bit excited that you know Mo's not done. Uh, that they did you know backload that contract so much they didn't do that for no reason. Um, so that's getting me excited and what what could be to come. Like you said, hopefully something else by Christmas. Winter meetings are coming up. Uh, could be a lot of moving and shaking uh, happening then. Well, you you and I both witnessed 
Mo trying to perfume the pig for what sixty games, something like that. Oh, yeah, and then you know, I mean, between Wayno's performance and you know realizing that he really there really wasn't anything left. The guy had left it all out there, given us all he had. That that start he made for his two hundredth win, uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, it wasn't a masterpiece. It was a guy doing something that he wanted, you know, that meant something to him personally, that he knew intuitively meant a lot to the fan base, uh, especially in a lost season. And, you know, so once Mo got done, you know, kind of realized he it was really damage control. He tried hard. He tried to say, well, this, that, and the other and of course, there was no sympathy because we have an expectation. But I think what was happening behind the scenes was he was telling himself and his his team, his staff, we're never going to be in this position again. We're the Cardinals, yeah. you know. I mean, Mo hasn't been a GM for eight different sides. You know, he's not Dave Dombrowski, right? He's a guy that's made his entire reputation in St. Louis. And he saw that really being threatened last year. And I think he said to himself, never again. I'm going to find a way to make. Now, granted, is there risk? There's always risk. Could it go south? It absolutely could. But but we have he has done to this point, you know, pretty much everything he could. You know, shy of just backing up a Brinks truck to a couple of these free agents, which <laughs> that's just not how you do business anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah. If I mean, if if Glassnose rep called tomorrow and said, "Hey, this is what we think. This is what we think. You know, they're they're looking for." And you know, do you think you guys could put together a package? that might get the folks down in Florida excited, you know, and, and if, if you could, Tyler would be more than happy. This is what he's looking at over the next, you know, three to five years, whatever. Sure. Let's go. And I expect Mo to take that call and to get right to work on seeing if that's something that could get done. But the pressure isn't there. I do think that, you know, you think about, like you said, with uh, having the approach of like, you know, we're the Cardinals. We're not doing this again with this past season. I do think that uh, or I wonder how much um, having Yachty and Wayno in their last couple years on the roster, that if it was anyone other than Yachty and Wayno, maybe they would have moved on from those dollar figures. Um Maybe less so with Yachty, but uh, but with with Wayno and the way that he was pitching a little bit leading up to that. Um, of course, with the way that he pitched last year, unfortunately, like if they would have seen that coming, they would have loved to have not had that happen and have that dollar figure on their books. But I wonder how much that kind of hamstrung Mo in um, what he could do otherwise with the roster and with the budget that the DeWitts gave him um, 
you know, because you're not going to move on from Wayno and Yachty. You're not going to say, well, it's a business. Sorry, we got to get you out of here. It's like at a certain point, it's about legacy, too. And they understand that. And I appreciate that they understand that 100 percent. But it makes me wonder how much how much of an impact that had on the last season or two um, versus kind of where they are now in building a new core, a new squad. It feels like a new era of the Cardinals. Would that be accurate? Is that kind of how you think of it too, maybe? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's other factors. You know, all these tributes, all these celebrations, those all cost money, right? Yeah. It wasn't just business as usual. It was special. You know, I mean, Albert gave us, you know, a lot more than we could reasonably have asked for. Remember when he first came, when we first signed him, what was it? It was cheap. It was like a million bucks. It was really cheap for salary. But he he was horrible the first half of 22. Could not hit his way out, you know, couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. And then he caught fire in the second half. We were making a run to the playoffs. It was all happening. We, I still can't believe we, we lost those two games to the Phillies. I, I, know. I, I don't want to think about it. I don't even want to talk about it. But <laughs> I, but it's still unbelievable to me. We should have at minimum been in a full series against somebody. And it, it just didn't happen. I mean, it was unfortunate. So, But those things cost money. You know, all that. And, and you know, and they're, they're also distracting. You know, it's a different. It's a different footing. It's a different mindset. You know, uh, minor league teams do this on a different level and in a different way. But there, there's always one gimmick or the next. They're just trying to put butts in the seats, right? But the, sometimes that is to the detriment of the professional ball playing product on the field. And I'm not saying that you know the Cardinals just completely punted on on their development and all the other stuff. But, you know, it does have an impact. And like you said, it feels like all that's been washed out. Uh, we've, we said our goodbyes. We told these guys how much we loved them. Uh, none of their stars were diminished by their rough. I mean, we've, I remember Willie Mays at 40 years old out in the Mets outfield. And it was, it was kind of sad, frankly. I mean, you're talking about to say, hey, kid, you're talking about one of the five best players in the history of the game, or at least at that point in his career, you know, at that point in the history of the game, he was absolutely maybe a two or three best player ever. You know, Williams, Ruth, Aaron, Mays, you know, some people, Mantle was their cup of tea, whatever. But, you know, Willie Mays was Willie Mays. I mean, I, I loved him. Um, and he was he was on his last leg. He looked so bad out there. But guess what? He was still Willie Mays, and nobody could forget that. And so we're done with all that. We don't have any more of that. Now we've got old men that are grinders. we got old men that are like, you know what? I want to go back to the World Series from Lance Lynn, right? I want to I want to make right what happened in the NLCS when I was pitching for the Dodgers last year. Right? I'm Sonny Gray. I want to go to a World Series. I want to pitch in an important game, right? 
And then we got the young studs. We got the Lars Newt bars and the Tommy Edmonds, you know, saying to a guy like Mason Wynn, come on, bro, show everybody. We know you got it. Show everybody. And I can, Duncan, I know I'm getting a little crazy here and, you know, help me, help me come back to reality a little bit, but tell me you don't see a, an eight game winning streak in, in April next season. I mean, I'm telling it's going to happen. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. I can see us out of the gate, you know, 30 and, and 18, something like that. Three games up in the division. You know, you got the young reds who knows what they come out. Like you got the, I already get, I already get that sense with what the offseason has looked like. It looks like Mo and just the team generally getting having this sense of like, this is not who we were. F that. We're going to get all these guys. We are rebuilding this team, and we are coming back to win, and we're coming back for blood. It's kind of the, the vibe that I get, uh, especially with the speed and quickness that Mo has gone and gotten these guys and says, we're not waiting around. We're we're doing the business, and we're gonna say, nope. These are our guys. You're not gonna outbid us. You're not gonna, um, you know, out convince these guys. Whatever. This is this is our time. We're going. Uh, and Sunny Gray, just to put a bow on all of this, because we probably need to get going here. But yeah. Sunny Gray coming out and saying, I want it to be a cardinal. I respect the tradition. You know, I mean. You couldn't have a Mo couldn't script a better soundbite than that, honestly. <laughs> and it's it's funny because now you got these national guys that are like, yeah, I don't know how we all forgot, but the Cardinals aren't the Pirates. The Cardinals are not a bottom feeder. Never have been. Never will be. And you know this this season was an aberration. And look at what they're already doing. There's, there's, we're standard setters, right? We, we, anyway, I've gone crazy now. It's late. We've had a good, (laughs) good discussion. Uh, Thank you for, you know, bringing all the insight that you, that you have already. Uh, One of the things I love about podding with you is the fact that, you know, you're on top of this. You called Sonny Gray in like June or July. You, you've been on it. And to see that come to fruition, I mean, it doesn't always work out the way we want, but to right, see it come right. to fruition, I am so excited to have that guy pitch for us. We should probably try to get to one of his early starts just so we can see it that. live because you know it's going to be electric at the ballpark. I can't wait for a Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, hell, Tuesday night. When, you know, it's early in the season, Sonny Gray's coming out to take the ball. I don't know. Let's 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 go up against the, the Brewers. Let's do it. And let, uh, you know, who's, who's ever healthy for them because, you know, you can never count on any of their pitchers either, which is unfortunately the nature of the sport anymore. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about more of that as we go forward. Now we've got to – now he's got to work around the edges, you know, or – Make the big splash. Go get me a guy that says, you know what? We might have had the worst starting unit in the league last year, or you know, top bottom two or three with the with the normal bottom feeders. But 
now, but not anymore. Now we're arguably top three or four, right? Let's yeah. do that. Let's do that. I mean, hey, the Braves, they wanted Nola, didn't get him. They were discussed as a potential sign. They wanted Gray. Yeah. Absolutely didn't get him. You don't think Atlanta's starting to get a little itchy, a little nervous with the, with the what, what was it, the, the best offense in the history of the game before they, you know, ceremoniously got dumped out of the playoffs by the Phillies? I don't know, Dunk. I, 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 think, I think, you know, sphincters are a little tighter in Atlanta than they are in St. Louis today. Is that fair? I, I would say so. I'd say don't yeah. wake us up. Don't wake us up. Don't don't poke we, me there. We got bit. more to chat, more to get into on on next one. We'll get all fired up for the upcoming episodes and, and more to talk about. Hopefully, there will be some more news coming up too. Yeah, we need to we need to start diving into some lineup construction. I need to see Mason win penciled in six games out of seven, and you and I will talk about that. Uh, you can help help me get over the fact that you know it's a platoon game these days and if a guy gets 400 at bats i'm supposed to be happy with that you can help me with all that uh all right very good uh what else you got before we sign off for the night dunk uh the only other thing is just uh about our quote-unquote lost episode about lance lynn and kyle gibson well that may be coming and maybe out of order this may be up before that one uh but we'll try to get something out as far as that goes and um otherwise thankfully if if nothing happens with that or anything thankfully it was the lance lynn and kyle gibson episode not this one because i'm way more jazzed up about this so yeah, this yeah, this just put the icing on the cake for for the good work that was done uh, Thanksgiving week. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, we, you know, my ramblings took us longer than we than than as we always do. We always wind up as going about an hour and a half or so, and so uh, we will sign off now. Uh, this is Mark with Duncan. We are Broadway and Clark. For those of you who uh, don't know yet, might be new to the pod, uh, Broadway and Clark, Broadway Boulevard or Avenue and Clark Street in downtown St. Louis is the intersection um, at which Bush Stadium is, uh, Bush Stadium 3. We'll talk a little bit about the ballpark experience and uh, what that's like, what the atmosphere is like in downtown St. Louis on game day. Uh, we'll talk about that after the holidays, but uh, that's, that's the genesis of our name. And uh, we hope that uh, everybody has a great rest of the week, and uh, we hope for more signings. So, Duncan, thanks a lot, um, and we will talk soon. Sounds good. Have a great rest of your night. All righty. Thank you, sir.